Do you dream of having time and money freedom? Are you looking for ways to enjoy business and life harmony or just to improve your business and yourself? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with your host, Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn from experts in business, leadership, personal development, and mindset to help you create your ideal business lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And now, here's your host, Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. I'm on a mission to help you create your ideal business lifestyle. As a business strategist and executive leadership coach, I help you get your business under control, grow yourself and your team so that your business works for you and your team, giving you more money, more time and less stress. If you'd like to know more, I invite you to visit ShirleyDalton.com. In my role as radio and TV show host, I bring you additional experts to help you improve your business and your life. And today we're talking with hypnotherapist and master of influence, Jerry Knight. Welcome, Jerry. Hi, Shirley. Nice to be here. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I mean, I've heard a little bit about your story and I can't wait for you to share some of what you can share, but knowing that it was based in the military, uh, but certainly looking forward to it. So, Jerry, I like to start by giving people a little bit about your background, just so that they can uh, get to know you a little bit. So, you've had an extensive career in the UK military, in the Royal Navy, and the Australian Defence Force, estimating that you've visited over 100 countries. You've had the privilege of living in eight countries, including Germany, USA, Yemen, Norway, England, Wales, Scotland, and now Australia. In your military career with the UK, you specialised in influence-based operations and saw combat in five conflicts, the Falklands War, Kosovo, Macedonia, Sierra Leone and Iraq. In 2009, you arrived in Australia, having been invited to join the Royal Australian Navy, where part of your role meant serving in southern Lebanon, Israel and the Sinai Desert in Egypt. After leaving the military, you fulfilled a lifelong ambition and trained as a hypnotherapist at the Australian College of Hypnotherapy and now specialise in working with people experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, anxiety, depression, stress, phobias and sport, as well as working with a wide range of patients such as military, domestic violence, rape, bullying, body image, confidence, self-esteem issues and children. So, Jerry, our listeners might be wondering about the connection between the military and hypnotherapy. But as we'll be discussing today, they're very closely linked in more ways than one, especially when we look at your career as an influencer. So let's start by defining what you mean by influencer, especially as it relates to your role in the military and what is known as influence-based operations. Um, Influence-based operations are really about trying to influence target groups. Now, they could be influenced in a positive way Mm -hmm. or a negative way. Um, And so you would send in small teams to go and try and identify people to influence. Militaries are very agricultural generally, and by putting a lot of troops into an area, particularly a hostile space, can be very provocative. So by spending small teams, by by sending small teams of people in to identify key movers, key leaders you can then identify ways of trying to reduce the conflict or perceived conflict by, by, not, by, by not putting a lot of troops into, a, into an area. Mm-hmm. But also trying to look at ways to help to improve the situation. And that makes 
inf- uh, that makes um, combat less likely mm-hmm. or uh, antagonistic uh, behaviour by the locals. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what influence is all about. So it's shaping the environment to suit what it is you're trying to achieve. So just for our listeners again, shaping the environment. Shaping the environment to, to influence people in either a positive or a negative way to shape your strategic objectives as, as a military or government. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you give us some examples of that, like with, you know, without going against the legal conf- confidentiality? Um, I'm giving one um, off the top of my head. I mean, I can think of one where we were in um, a, a village in Iraq, for instance, where we were trying to um, build a bridge, and 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 the country that had, the particular country had built a bridge from one side of a river to another, but the only trouble is they hadn't asked the local population what they actually wanted. And so they influenced them in a very negative way because what they were trying, what the women were, and it was mostly women, to get to the market on the other side, they had to walk about five kilometres down the river, across an old river, across the old bridge, and back up the other side to the, to the other town. So that the country we were, talk, were talking about now, uh, they decided to build a, a bridge straight across. So you had one, one, one village one side, one village the other. And so they built a, a bridge right across. <coughs> Now, had they, had they spoken to the tribal elders, had they spoken to the, um, to the, to the younger, younger population, they would actually had a, a lot of people that they could have helped to build that bridge. Mm-hmm. Whereas they didn't. They did it all themselves. And the locals wouldn't use it. So that's a good example as to how it works very badly. Had they involved the local population, had they involved the local people in designing it, laying it out, and building it, they would have used it, mm-hmm. but then they didn't. So are you saying that the, the people would have liked a bridge, but because they weren't consulted, yeah. then they didn't want to use it? No, and they were actually were insulted because you know, they, they, they were completely overridden. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did it for all the right reasons, but if, had they gone about it by trying to influence yes. the, the local population to get them on board, to get them on side, then it would have worked much, much better. Yeah. And, and, you know, that happens, like, in I see that in business a lot and in teams where the supervisor just makes a decision and, de- and declares it and then gets upset when people don't buy into it or they're not engaged with it. No, that's right, because, I mean, we, we've got to influence people. You know, influence is another, another, you could say influence is another word for leadership. Mm-hmm. It's like leading, and you've got to lead them down a, down, down a path, you know, by getting everybody on board. And those you're not going to get on board, you have to work with to see it from your perspective gradually over a period of time. You know, you're not going to win all the people all, all the time. But if you can get the majority, then the others will reluctantly follow yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And this village would have been a good example. <clears throat> yeah. Had they gone and spoken to the tribal elder, had they influenced him, and had they then sort of, sort of said, look, you know, we know you've got high unemployment, we want to get your people working... You know, how do we do this? How do we get you on board with this? And therefore, you know, it, the, the knock-on effect and the broader effects of that would have been such that, you know, sort of risk to the to the um, to the uh, the troops in the area would have gone down. Quality of life would have gone up for the people. I mean, it was fifty degrees most of the time in this place, so uh, you know they were walking such a long way, and mostly women. Yeah. Uh, and if, had they, if, they, if they'd thought about it, 
you just sort of stepped back, looked at the broader perspective, and then planned it properly, it wouldn't have happened. And you know what that does for me is it <clears throat> begs a question in my mind, and you go, well, for you, for you and I, that seems like just such common sense. And yet, as they say, common sense is not that common. And, uh, and I suppose that's why they needed somebody like you to be able to go in and, and really sort of put a halt on everything and say, stop, wait a minute, let's find out first. Yeah, I mean, but unfortunately, it's too, it happens all too often. Militaries are under a, a lot of enorm, enormous pressure in these environments. You know, they, their political masters want results now. And so you often hear the phrase, I'll just go and do stuff. Right. You know, they want results now. Well, a lot of these things take a long time to quietly cultivate, you know, to, 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 to build relationships, to build trust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, this is what's, what's lacking in these, you know, particularly in the Middle East, where a lot of the forces in the West have spent a lot of time. And, and, and that relationship is, is very poor because they don't spend the time. Yes. And the, because of the high turnover, you know, troops come in for six months and they get rotated out. They want to build a good impact for themselves and their political masters first, rather than the people on the ground. And this is a, this is sort of a it lacks a, a degree of continuity when you when you come in quickly. You need to get 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 your get, do stuff quickly. It's sort of yes, yeah, be seen it, to be doing something yeah, and to that, have some sort of outcome. Absolutely, and then they get out. You know, and the next one comes in and reinvents the wheel again. You know, whereas you know you need that steady continuity all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean that's it's not only in the military though that that I see it. Um, even down to our local banker. You know, we in our local bank, we I can't tell you. I think we've had about six or eight, and and we get a letter or sometimes even an email that says, "Oh, now you've got a new banker." And you think, well, great, now I've got to start this relationship all over again. And if they've got a different set of values to the last one, some things are going to be easy, some things are going to be hard. Yep, that's all, that's the same. So so if we're talking about influence then as leadership, for our listeners, because they're business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, leaders and managers, what would be one or two tips that you would take from what, what you've learned being in the field? I think one of the key, the, the, the most important one is what we call audience analysis, is know your team. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to, you know, it, you, you have to know your team, your work, in, who work for you, mm-hmm. in order to get the best out of them. Yeah. And then, of course, when you go into an environment that's p- potentially very hostile, mm-hmm. you have to know who you're dealing with. Yes. You know, you, and you have to have a really good understanding. You can't use Western perspectives when you've got a lot of different cultures, religious groups. You can't use, you cannot afford to do that. Mm-hmm. You have to see things from their perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot continue to use a, what I always call the Western myopic view, which, which is what we impose on them. And, and, and so that's probably the best thing, is understanding your team and understanding the people you're trying to influence. And I love that term that you use there, the Western myopic view. Yeah. And, you know, and I can see this now being coined right throughout the business world if leaders take this on board. And they, all they have to do is to question themselves now and say, oh, hang on a minute, is this my Western myopic view? Am I about to just go, right, this is how we're doing it without knowing my team and without getting them on board? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I, I sort of progressed through from sort of 
the Falklands all the way, well, perhaps not the Falklands, but from the former Yugoslavia right through, right through to Iraq, we have imposed our Western myopic view on every culture we've ever tried to influence. And, and it's never, it's, it hasn't worked. It's, we've just gone from disaster from disaster, and we've not learned from those lessons. Yeah. And it's about time we did. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting that you say that. I remember in um, a former role that I had was in strategic communications and marketing for one of the ministers in one of the state governments. And we used to advise them, you know, they were about to put out a policy and we would advise them on how to communicate that or how to engage people in it. And we had this guest speaker came one day and saying exactly what you're saying there, where he said out of 100% of people, mention a topic and you'll have 1% that are for and 1% that are against and they're the zealots and they won't change. Then you've got 98% of people and out of that... 45 will be leaning toward it and 45% will be leaning against it. But they're too busy doing their work or living their life. They're not really that keen. They'll go along. And so that leaves you with 8%, which is what he calls the influencers. And so if you get the influencers on board, then you can influence 90% of the people. Yep, and that's, and that's because they're the ones that have the credibility. You know, And that's why... You know, if you take me going into a, you know, into an environment in, say, Iraq, you know, I'm a, a white Christian male. But if I can influence somebody of the right ethnic background with the right status within the right group, and I can just sort of suggest that this would be a right approach for them and get them to sell that idea, it has a much, much, much better effect than if it was me that I was doing it. Yes. And you see, we saw that time and time again you know where we try and impose our views from a different cultural background on people who frankly just didn't get it and that number was far smaller than that much more much smaller than that right you know so it was always really interesting because we were trying to ultimately we're trying to aim for 80 percent yeah and that was a big ask yeah but under certain circumstances you could do it if you had the right um the right understanding of the group you're trying to influence yeah yeah and it, re- it reminds me of um another story re- regarding health and and i want to tie this back into our working environment as well and that is that um there were south american tribes and the health authorities really wanted them to get to boil their water and so the first team of health professionals they sent in, they went and recruited the young women in the tribe. And of course it didn't work and they didn't understand why until they learned and they did it the second time in another tribe um, that the grandmothers, if you like, the older women were the matriarchs of the tribe. And in fact, in the, the younger women, often they were married into the tribe. So they had like no influence, no clout. And so when they learned to go and talk to the older women, and like you say, get the right person on board and get get the right message in the right um, the the right way you can influence it absolutely and uh, yeah and i find it fascinating and i think if we tie that back into our working environment there are people in your team and that ties back to what you said about knowing your team that there will be the influences there so if you can consult with them get them on board then, then your job's basically done isn't it yeah absolutely it is it is yeah know your team 
diet too. Love it. All right. Well, that's a really good spot for us to have a break. Stay with us. When we come back, we're going to find out much more about Jerry's career and how that applies to you too in the workplace. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, I don't know about you, but I find this absolutely fascinating and Jerry, uh, I, don't know, I don't even want to use the word played, but Jerry has worked in a world that is totally alien to me, totally foreign to me, and yet such important work, um, particularly for understanding people all around the world. So we've been talking today with Master of Influence and Hypnotherapist Jerry Knight. So Jerry, I mean, you've got lots and lots of stories. You've been in combat in a number of different areas and they all have different cultures. And the things that you've learned the most is that you have to know your team and then you also have to know who you're dealing with. So, and you also mentioned that in a lot of these cases, you didn't have a lot of time to, to be able to assess that. So my, I'm imagining that, I know you didn't get parachuted in, but I'm imagining that, you know, it's almost like you get dropped onto the ground and you've got to learn the lay of the land. You've got to know who the people are. You've got to look at um, finding out all about their culture and then looking for the influencer and then being able to influence them toward the outcome that you want. How did you manage to do all of that, like, and you know, and, and do that efficiently? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from that, and then taken into business as well. Well, I think, uh, I mean, if we take parachuted in, uh, when it comes to kind of like Sierra Leone, for instance, you know, from flash to bang, we were there in less than three days. Wow! So I literally, that my my education into what, because I didn't even know where Sierra Leone was really. Mm-hmm. Um, was was the ship that I was on was on the way back from the Persian Gulf, and we were three days out from getting back to our home port after five months. Oh no! Um, so we got turned around, and literally we were there in Sierra Leone in about three and a half days. So we were really really quick. And the only thing that I could do to get access to something was to know a little bit about what was going on, was to read the BBC's. Um, uh, 
uh, sort of the, they, they do like a sort of country studies. So I read it and inwardly in, digested it, which was great. And then you get into the newspapers and get a feel for what goes on in that part of the world and look at the sort of broader perspective. Because literally the day we arrived off the coast, I was on a helicopter straight into Freetown and to go, you know, to go meet up with, uh, with the UN troops and, uh, and, and, and a lot of the other UK forces that had just arrived as well. And it's literally just get out there out, and walk and walk, get, get amongst the get amongst the people, mm-hmm. get a feel for what's going on, and uh, and and that's the only way you get a really good feel fairly quickly. But you have to use that gut instinct and that sort of to really get a good feel for who these people are, what worries them, you know, and, and just to get a get a sense of looking at it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So if I'm thinking uh, in terms of using that for business, then what you were doing was really walking the floor. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And for, for me, that's the only way to do it, mm-hmm. is to get amongst the... Because um, when I joined the Royal Navy, I started at, at really the lowest level. And mm-hmm. you know, by this stage, I was a sort of a fairly junior officer. But, you know, having come up through the ranks and had seen all these different levels... For me, it was the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Same as when I got to Kosovo, same in Macedonia. Get amongst, get out there and go and put yourself into a position where you can understand the locals' perspective. Yeah. Because that's the only way you'll get a feel for what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and talk to people. And I was always quite lucky. I, Kosovo was a good example where we were... I, I flew in from Norway because I went in with the Norwegians and... And I remember I had a, an Albanian translator, and, and I said, look, we're just, just going to go walk about, you know, and, and we're just going to have a look. And, and she was brilliant, because I could literally, she was a, um, a translator who, who would have, with a university uh, education, who could only get a job as a cleaner. And so, and I, and so she was the clean, clean in the office, but at the same time, I could be able to tap into that knowledge of what was going on around her. And I said to her, "Look, can you just give me a, give me an understanding as to what's going on here?" And you get a very biased perspective on that, so you have to be careful you don't get sucked into that yes. one single viewpoint. And so, by sitting with her, but then I was able to go. I spent a lot of time up on the up on the up on the borders with the Serbian side, you know, and and you get a very different perspective again. You know, and they're so far apart, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it was very difficult. But at the same time, it gave you that very broad perspective because you were not part of either setup. So it would allow you to be as objective as possible because that's what your job was. You know, you were part of the UN. You were part of a contingent um, of representing the UN to keep these two warring factions aside. But the only way to, to get to understand what was going on, was to get out there. Yes. You know, and you very quickly learn what a Serbian village looked like, the difference between that and a, and a, and a Kosovo village, and they have this sort of a different, uh, a completely different mindset. You think you're in Europe, but you're not. Uh, you know, and this is your first mistake. But again, you can't use that Western view yes. to try and impose your views on them, because... Their views go back a very, very long way, yeah. you know, and you know, and, and I think that what really surprised me about um, Kosovo was how different culturally 
they were from any other people I've still ever come across. Wow. Because they were so different, you know, and how you could go from one end of Kosovo to the other, and again, the cultures would be different again. Yeah. You know, and it was... And, and, yeah, but yet this is a country that's probably a lot smaller than Tasmania. You know, it's just to be so different. Yeah. And there was one particular area, we called it the elephant's foot, which is, and the reason it's called the elephant's foot is because it's geographically shaped like an elephant's foot. And it's called the dragass. And again, it was like going to, down to the line, land that time forgot. It was so different again. Culturally, you know, and it was just alien to yeah. all of us. You know, Kosovo was alien because it was so different. But this particular area, because it was so remote, because it was so difficult to get to, was different again. Wow. You know, and so you... So you have to learn very, very quickly, you know, how to try and understand the mindset. What are they doing? Where are they coming from? In order that you could then potentially influence them in a way that, you know, to get the best results for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time to reduce the potential for combat. Yeah, because that's why you went in there in the first yeah, instance, absolutely. wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it was to reduce that potential for combat. And it's interesting that you, you mentioned a couple of words there that I, I just want to go back to. And that was that you engage the services of a translator. Yep. And, <clears throat> and I see often in business when I'm working with businesses that often the entrepreneur is this visionary person who can see where they want to go and what they want to do and yet they, they can't articulate it and in a sense they need a translator to A, give the people the vision of, of where we're going and also to give the feedback to the entrepreneur about what the troops really think about this vision. Yeah, well, it's, it's often, it's, it's interesting. I remember I worked with a, um, a general in, um, in Kosovo and he was a, a British general and he was the most formidable man with the most massive brain and he could articulate this strategic vision and he was one of the few leaders I've ever met who could have this massive perspective but yet could go right down into the detail so when, I, so when I would come in from somewhere, he'd go, he would look at me and go, I see that work then. And he was talking about a very specific incident that I was up to. So he could go from that to that. And, and I've never met anybody that could do that. No, that's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Because normally you find that when people have got that strategic vision, they need somebody else to articulate it in a way that people can understand and translate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and talking of big brains, I have a friend of mine who's Canadian, and uh, you might be listening to this, Steph, <laughs> and, and she has a huge brain, and, and she, like, she can remember facts and figures and things like that, and we went and stayed with her for a little while, and we were, I can remember that the, the last one for me was like, no more. We were coming back on the ferry from Vancouver, and I just happened to ask, is the water deep? <laughs> a simple yes or no would have sufficed. <laughs> Out came the Google and she was able to tell me, you know, at this point it was, I don't know, 100 and something metres and at this point, and honestly, her brain, she could accommodate all of that, but for me, <laughs> I was like, John, shut down mode, no more yep. facts. But, but, that's the, but that's the beauty of the team though, isn't it? Because if you've got somebody in that team that can just say, right, give me this, Bang, and you can get all those figures. Okay, great. Now put that into very put that into to something I can relate to. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, because that's that, that's the job of the leader to say, look, I, I can't cope with those figures. Give me some I can work with. Yeah. You know, articulate that in a way I can translate that. Yes. And so we're really talking here um, micro and macro, aren't we? Like mm. even though you're, you're dealing with cultures, <clears throat> again, if we take that into like, the workplace or even into families and things, yep. so we've still got this on a micro level. You've still got to know your people. You've still got to be able to articulate that vision. Oh, absolutely. But, but at the same time, you know, we would have to take this general's very big, what you call the big and, big and small map type stuff, so to take what he was over, his overarching approach to something, and there was a couple of cases in Kosovo was a good example where he would just say to you, right, this is what I want. Now how you achieve it is entirely up to you. And it was that way he would then articulate that he was pleased with what you were doing because he would then identify it by saying something like, I see that work then, you know, which was really lovely. But at the same time, it works both ways because he had to have to trust in you that you were going to do it. Yes. You know, and, and that you were going to do it well. You know, in the military, we call it mission, mission command, which is where, you know, this is my over, overview. This is the bit I want you to do. Now, how you do it is entirely up to you. And that is a very, very, um, very, very typically British military approach to this is the, your part. Now, how you do it is entirely up to you. And I think that's a really good point. Let's talk about that a little more. We're just going to take a short break. So listeners, stay with us because when we come back, let's flesh out this concept here of Mission Command. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal Business Lifestyle. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. I'm Shirley Dalton, and today we're talking with hypnotherapist and master of influence, Jerry Knight. And Jerry has been telling us some of the experiences that he's had uh, being firsthand in a number of conflict situations and how through using strategic influence, he was able to really minimize the impact and the death in so many instances. And so 
Jerry, I just want to come back to what we talked about before going to the break, and that was this concept of mission command, where uh, as the leader, I have an overview or an outcome that I want to achieve, and then I'm trusting you to go and get that done. And I think that's really important for our business owners and leaders to know about because sometimes sometimes we can tend to micromanage, and if we can get that, then we can you know hand it over and know that the job's going to get done. It's only, it's only done based on trust, and uh-huh. uh, you know. And I think certainly with mission command, and and, and the, the example we were talking about during the break was, you know, when as a junior officer, my the general that I was working for, he gave this very strategic view that this particular provocative area would need to be uh, influenced in such a way uh, to reduce the threat to the Serbian army re-engaging into that space. And and the problem for us was that you know, there was a, a, a tinderbox. It was just ready, ready to go off. So we had to go in and identify the key influences in, in the area and reduce the ability of their ability to provoke the Serbian army into conflict. Right. And so we did that through various means of trying to reduce that over a period of time. So when the Serb army did come in on the day, there was an absolute minimum loss of life right. and that there was a de-escalation of threats to both us and the village uh, and the villages around that particular area. So when they did engage and come back into that space, you know, there was a minimal loss of life mm-hmm. right from the outset. Were, were you ever scared for your own safety? Uh, well, I think it was a, it was a fairly... Uh, it was a fairly um, it was fairly rough at times, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you need your real influencing skills. <laughs> you, just, you, know, you just need to be uh, very aware of, uh, of the sort of situation you're in. Yes. You know, because you've not only got uh, a lot of very uh, dangerous people, they're, they're really not very friendly. you also got an army that thinks you're an army of occupation, which would have been the Serbs. And you've got a bunch of civilians who are terrified. Right. You know, and somewhere in between, you've got to work out the different ethnic groups, the different parties you're dealing with, in order to try and reduce the conflict, A, against the Serbs, B, against us, and C, against each other. Wow. You know, so you had a very interesting, fine, tightrope to walk, walk all the time yeah. in that particular space. Wow, yeah. And as you say, being very aware, again, comes down to knowing, knowing your people, knowing the circumstances, doesn't it? And it's that trust because they've got your back. Yeah. You know, and I think the other thing is, because you've then got a, you've then got a very senior leadership who then trust, who are not micromanaging, who are allowing you, you know, because you've got the, you're the boots on the ground, you're the one with the eyes on the targets. Yeah. You know, you're then trusted to do that job. And there's a lovely quote um, by an American general called General Patton. Mm-hmm. He always said, don't tell people what to do. Tell them what you want. You'll be amazed at how they are in June. You'll be amazed at their ingenuity. That's what it was. Which I think is a really lovely uh, thing to do. Yeah. You know, and I think allowing people to get the best out of them. And I think that's a really good example because I was actually quite lucky because um, he, the, the, the general really did look after us because I was on the Queen's Honours list for that oh, particular wow. operation, which was a real privilege. Yeah, yeah congratulations. You know, so no, it's nice. It was nice, actually, nice to be recognised. But, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, so it was good. 
Yeah. So, yeah. but just spurs you on to do better things and want to do more, you know, because you know because there's that you know that creative that you can use that creative um, uh, skill set without you know without being stifled. But yes. you can just you know just you can thrive you know yes. in, in an environment where where that mission command works really really well. Yeah. I do a fair few recruitment interviews for some of my clients and we do some profiling and one of the questions that I always ask is how do you like to be managed and I haven't heard anybody put their hand up and say oh I love to be micromanaged <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not it, one it's a shame I, I hear it all the time I do hear it all the time and it's a shame because you know you, you do get the best out of people by allowing them free space as long as you can build that trust, yes, you know, and and then you can work within within the boundaries, yes, you know, you set the boundaries. But as long as you set them fairly broad, you know, you're not, you know, and and you'll you'll be amazed at what they can do. Yeah. Really, really amazed. Oh, listeners, I hope you really got that point there, and and that brings me then to your hypnotherapy practice because you deal with a lot of people suffering from stress, and yeah. and I'm going to have to guess that a lot of that would come from work. Well, yeah, it, it does. It, it, it does, and it's amazing the amount of times you can bring these skill sets from the military back into uh, back into what, what I do. I remember years ago I met a, a failed suicide bomber in Baghdad, and I remember one of my clients coming into my office. I had only been I had not been doing it for very long, and she was a lovely lady, and she just sat and talked to me about how she was a domestic violence victim. And I was just sitting there thinking, all I could think about was this suicide bomber that had failed. And I was just thinking, this is just a really odd thing to think. But when you look at the situation that this suicide bomber was in, the first thing he did was he was then isolated from his family. He was then conditioned, given a sort of a very specific things that he had to think, could and couldn't do. And it's the same with this woman. She'd been disempowered. She couldn't communicate with outside of her family. She had been isolated from her family. And it, and it was just fascinating for me just, just to think by the similarities between the two. Yeah. Uh, and then and I think a few weeks later that I then had a client that had came in with from, had escaped from a religious cult. Exactly the same thing. So the suicide bomber, the, 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 uh, the, um, uh, the domestic violence victim and this religious cult was the same thing. Isolate you know, and sort of indoctrinate. Yes. And it was just incredible. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So how did you get into hypnotherapy then? Well, uh, was, uh, when I got out of the Falklands War, it was really strange. Uh, I, those of us, some of us did quite well down there. And, uh, and with the UK military, they just said, look, you know, we want you to be an officer. And, uh, and it took me a few years to get all the education qualifications. But in the Royal Navy, you had to go and be a seaman officer, so a ship driver. So you had to learn to navigate. And so I got all my qualifications and I went off to sea to go and do it like, it like an apprentice navigation thing. And I found I just couldn't do it. My hands used to sweat. I would get really nervous. I couldn't work out distance, speed, times. I couldn't do navigation. Astronav, just forget it. <laughs> just couldn't do it. And I just thought it was just bizarre. So my boss was brilliant. He was very supportive. He said, look, Jerry, we'll put you on the two-year crash course, which you can do in six weeks for maths. I went, right, great, I'll do it. And it was even worse because I then just could not do this maths. And it, it just was, I just could not understand the logic. I just couldn't get my head around this whole maths. 
and and I took the exam and I noticed that I was even more terrified. Now bear in mind I just come out of the Falklands War. Yeah. I, I just could not do this maths. I was so scared. So you were more ha- scared of a test than you yeah, were absolutely, of combat. Absolutely. <laughs> and it just and I just couldn't figure it. So my boss was again was really supportive. He said, Right, go off and do the selection board for officer. They'll probably put you on another maths course. <laughs> so I went. And it's a three-day core, it's a three-day sort of selection process, and the first day is really all about maths, it's all about psychometric testing and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I got to day three, and they just said, look, Jerry, your maths results are so bad, don't even bother coming back until you've got your maths. Well, you can imagine, I was shattered. Yeah. So I went off and did the maths a couple more times and got even more disillusioned because I just kept failing it. And it was just, I just couldn't get my head oh, around it. It would be demoralising. Oh, it was awful. But it was my mum. One day she said, oh, just, she just very glibly went off, on, offhand one day and she said, oh, just go and see a hypnotherapist. They'll sort you out. I, I didn't know what hypnotherapy was. I had no idea. Anyway, I was desperate. I went. And, 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 and I went and I saw this lovely man. He was a really lovely man. So he spent the first session really just getting me to understand what it was then he led me into deep relaxation and just walked me down various levels of relaxation just to slow my mind down because it was just all over the place and the third session and this for me was the most was just absolutely mind-blowing it is this thing called regression and in 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 our our subconsciouses hold all of our learned history everything we've ever done and through hypnosis, you can override the conscious mind and you access into the subconscious. And, and you very gently walk me back to the origins of the problem. And so I very, very quickly found myself, after a little bit of navigating with, 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 the, with, the, with, the, with the hypnotherapist who sort of pointed me in the right direction, he just got to the stage and he said, Jerry, just take me back to school. That's all he said. And I very quickly found myself as this adult, about 27 I think I was, sitting in a classroom with all these 10-year-olds. And it was the most surreal experience, because in the front of the class was this teacher called Mr. Rowlands. He was utterly a bully. Mm-hmm. And all he did was point a finger at me, picked on me, because I couldn't do my times table. And I very gradually, over a period of time, and you watched over a period of time as the hypnotherapist sort of walked me through, at the end, by the end of the at the end of the year, I was then sitting at the back of the classroom with three other rejects who'd been picked on by this teacher. And at the end, in the UK school system, uh, you, and at the end of that year, having been taunted by this individual, we had this thing called the eleven plus exam. And what that did was stream you for grammar school if you did really quite well, because it was basically a maths and English exam. And I went into the exam, and I just failed. It was just utter misery. Mm. And, uh, and I remember saying to the hypnotherapist, oh my God, I can't believe it. That is just... I said, so now what, now what do I do? So he set me up with some tools and techniques. Ironically enough, I went after and did the maths again, and I failed it, which was interesting. But, but I felt that I wasn't working hard enough. But, yet, but within the year, I'd gone back to do the maths, Passed it with flying colours. I'd gone back to the officer selection board, who actually gently accused me of cheating because oh. the results were so different. <laughs> and then within a year, I was navigating a ship. Wow. Which was just amazing. And it's always stayed with me. Yeah. You know, and, and I always, so it's something I always wanted to do, and, but the time had to be right. Yes. All right. And so that's how I got into it.
Okay, well, we're going to take a really short break and then when we come back, I want to explore that some more with you because I know it's an absolutely fascinating subject. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate and support you to be, do, have and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your ideal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand or your business? Just Todd says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Well, we're having an absolutely fascinating conversation today. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. I'm Shirley Dalton, and we're talking with Master of Influence and Hypnotherapist Jerry Knight. And if you've been tagging along with us, you'll find that there's a common thread here for Jerry, and that is this Master of Influence being able to prevent conflict and actually saving lives. And if you think about some of the uh, conflicts that Jerry's been involved in and some of the strategic influence that he was able to implement then you know in a very real and practical sense he has actually saved a lot of lives now Jerry going from your career you were telling us how you started as an able seaman and you worked your way up and then you had your own little challenge with the mathematics and then through going and seeing a hypnotherapist you were able to overcome that which is really given you this this lifelong interest in hypnotherapy and for me I join the dots and see that as your own way of influencing people still to this day even though you may not be influencing thousands like you you did in your military career you still really are saving lives and you know particularly when you look at some of the the PTSD people the domestic violence the bullying etc um and so uh you mentioned earlier that you'd had your own PTSD experience and I don't want you to go into that but rather just to be able to explain to our viewers that you have experienced this which means then you have a great deal of empathy for some of the clients that you work with. Yeah I think that 2010 I got to the point where I just had enough and uh, you know I didn't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. and so I really wanted to find something different. And so it took a little while for, for me to get my head round, but it was always this hypnotherapy. Yeah. And I started my hypnotherapy training in Sydney in 2013 um, with a fantastic lady called Rhonda Stewart. And Rhonda uh, and I had a flashback in the, in the class, which was never a good thing. But, but the interesting thing was that Rhonda treated me for, for hypnosis, uh, for PTSD with hypnosis, and I've never looked back. 
And so some of those techniques I use myself for for other people. And so for me, it's just so rewarding just to help you, just to get people to focus on where they are and where they're going and not where they've been. Mm -hmm. And just to reconfigure, reconfigure their lives. It is just massively rewarding. And so... So I set up uh, a practice here in Newcastle in 2015, and I just haven't looked back. Yeah. And who comes in, they range from the age of 7 through to 88, you know, with a range of different options, different, and you never know what they're going to say. You, know, you just never know. And, and it's just fascinating. And so it is very different, but the fact is you know, you, that you're pushing these people in the way they need to be going. Mm-hmm. And so you facilitate their journey. And because, they, because they've made the appointment, they want to do this, they're, op- they're open to it. And so that's all I'm doing. And I just, I can't tell you, I just love this new journey. I just do. It's just, you know, it's just, people are so unique, you know, and I think that when you start to see people, you know, and, and I, <clears throat> you know, I can give you so many examples of sort of, empowering people facilitating that journey and just seeing the massive changes in them you know whether whether it's to help them become pregnant give birth to domestic violence victims sexual abuse they, they all come with their rewards they just do and i just and for me it's about influencing them in the right way mm-hmm. to go on a journey where they want to go yes. and not where they've been yes and they're really coming in with their own mission command, aren't they? Pretty much, pretty much. Well, you facilitate that journey to, to give them all of the tools they need to, to, to do exactly that. You know, you know, you give them the, you know, this is what you should be looking at. These, these, these. This is the direction you want to be going in. Now off you go, and you just watch that step by step change over a period of you know weeks and sometimes months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and they're off. And, and so some of the areas that you specialise in then is the PTSD. The very much so, yeah, very yeah. much so. Domestic violence, yeah, yeah. bullying. Yeah. Uh, and we mentioned earlier self-esteem and confidence. Yeah, um, yeah there's, a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety out there around about self-esteem uh, and you know, depression is another big one as well. So when you look at stress, anxiety and depression, are the three, probably the three big ones. Uh, but with but with a real focus on, on post-traumatic stress. So I've got a few, uh, quite a few um, military, paramedics, police I'm working with, you know, because I think that people are just not aware of just what hypnosis can do. There's a really interesting piece in the, in the, um, in the BBC just today, The Power of the Subconscious Mind, and I'm thinking... Oh, love it. You know, it's is really good. It's quite a good little video, video clip. But, but it, what, what it doesn't say, it doesn't say how, you know, how you can enhance it. And through hypnosis, you'd be amazed what people can do. Just amazed. You know. All right, well, we've, we've got just a minute or so. So can you just give us a glimpse into what the hypnosis is? You because know, a lot of people, we see these things on TV where people get up and they start clucking like a chook and you know, doing all sorts of ridiculous things. The conscious mind is only 10%. It, it can only think about seven plus and minus two things. It can only focus on one. It's also a bit of a blocker. The subconscious holds all your learned history, everything you've ever done. It also controls all of your body. It repairs your heart, your, all your functions within the body. But the key aspect for a hypnotherapist is that the subconscious is all about your learned history. 
Right. From the age of your, when, you, when you're born to where you are today. And hypnos, hypnotherapists can override that conscious mind through trance work, which is what people think is a bit strange. But we all do it all the time, and I'll come back to that. And essentially we can access into that subconscious to change the perception of, of somebody's mind. There's nothing weird about it. We're in it all the time. I mean, those of you who've got children will know that they're just not listening to you. When you tell them to do something, they're not, they're not listening. Why? Because they're in trance. They're in their own minds. Wow. And how many times have people driven somewhere when they've just sort of gone there and gone, how on earth did I get here? Uh-huh. We've all done it. Um, and that, that, that sort of daydreaming, that's all trance. So there's nothing strange about what we do. We're all, as human beings, we're built for trance. So we take that conscious part of the mind, override it, access into the subconscious, and you can do some amazing things. Fascinating. Fascinating. So where can people find out more about you? Uh, Well, I've got... uh, I'm I'm at the Allied Health... No, I'm not. No, remember, this is worldwide. (laughs) I'm on the the World Wide Web, so if you look at... Type in Jerry Knight Hypnotherapy. And that's with a J. With a J. Mm -hmm. uh, Or JK Hypnotherapy. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, which is Jerry Knight Hypnotherapy. And Knight is spelt K-N-I-G-H-T. K-N-I-G-H-T, yes. yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and all, of the, all of my details are all there. Okay. And then, so for the local people, you are in Newcastle, of course. I'm in Newcastle. I'm in, in Australia. In Australia, yeah. Not, uh, not, not, not England. Um, but uh, I'm also I'm, uh, in, a, in, a, in, in an integrated healthcare practice. So we've got GPs, dentists, podiatrists, physiotherapists. We'll have a psychologist, pharmacy. I mean, it's got everything. Mm-hmm. And so there's a far broader, um, far broader medical uh, approach mm-hmm. to uh, more holistic uh, and, treatment and, options. And do people necessarily need to see you face to face? Is this something that you know, if we've got somebody in Canada, for example, who really resonates with what you're saying today? There's no reason why I can't do it. Yep. On, on FaceTime or Skype, if yes. required. Uh, FaceTime is good because I, I, you know, it's, it's easier to do. Yeah. Although I've never done it before, I, I've got somebody in Perth that's very keen to do it. Yes. So I'm looking forward to doing it for the first time, so it could be good. Yeah, good. All right. Well, Jerry, thank you so much. I mean, it was just absolutely fascinating learning about stuff that you know, I didn't even know existed, being a master of influence and having strategic operations and... Um, I just want to say thank you for coming and sharing all of that with us. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. And so, listeners, we're out of time for now, but as always, I encourage you to implement what you've learned from Jerry today. And remember those very uh, important tips was know your people, know who you're dealing with, uh, and then, of course, not doing the micromanaging. Remember the term mission command. And you too will be able to be a strategic influencer in your organisation so that you too can create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next week for an inspirational and educational edition. Until then, be sure to implement what you've learned today to create your ideal business lifestyle. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next show.